Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. chapter one, but God will, I, I, there's, there's stints during the fast that I begin to feel, now, I'm going to be transparent, okay, it's Wednesday night, I feel a little bit dingy and nasty, because I'm, I am, I don't want to say spiritually detoxing, but my soul is detoxing from things that I've been around, and you become so sensitive in the place of the spirit when you fast, that uh, things that used to not bother you start bothering you. And you're like, how did I let myself get into this place? But fasting is sharpening that axe head to make you once again effective. So I encourage you, this is don't, don't pass this up. If you're apathetic spiritually, you have no desire for the things of God. You have no desire for scripture. You have no desire for, for prayer. You have no desire for, for, for really pressing into God. You need to fast. You need to shut your mouth from food. Some of us need to shut our mouths, period. No, I, I don't want, maybe so. But I'm saying it's important because that's what it means to fast is to close your mouth. Deny yourself and, 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 and see what God wants to do. So um, I, I'm going to talk about that some tonight too. This is going to be a, two, a two-part series that I'm going to do tonight. And it's going to hit a lot of different topics. But I want to preach off of the subject tonight called Firm Foundation. We sung it Sunday, so I wasn't going to sing it again. And honestly, some of these songs take my, take my breath away. <laughs> Not because they're so spiritually good, but they literally are high. So I've got to fix that, but I feel like I can't fix that. So uh, anyway, but we sung this song, and it's so true. You know, Jesus being the firm foundation, but what a, you, you know what I'm looking at. Nehemiah is the rebuilder of broken uh, homes and lives. It's, it's Christ working in the Old Testament. I mean, you, you have to understand that all 66 books, Christ is the theme of every one of them. Every one of them, he is, he, you can see him. You can find him in it because the Bible is what they call Christocentric. It's Christ-centered. The Bible is redemptive. It's a redemptive book. It's not just a historical book. It's a redemptive book, and it's bringing you back and reconciling you to the Father. So know that when you read it. But in the book of Nehemiah, uh, I want to I talk about Nehemiah before I read the Scripture. Uh, Nehemiah, anybody ever done a, done a study on Nehemiah by any chance? Maybe you've just read through it. Some of you have. Uh, Nehemiah wasn't a priest. Nehemiah wasn't, um, he wasn't a prophet. Nehemiah wasn't considered to be among those, uh, some type of, uh, we would look at it this day, he wasn't any type of fivefold minister. He was a career man. He was a man that worked. He was a man that, that um, had a passion and a love for the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel is in exile. And uh, for those of you that, that have read this story, Artaxerxes is the king. He is, they're, 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 they're in Persia. That's where they're in exile. And so Artaxerxes is, he's, he's their king. And, but Nehemiah was a career man. Nehemiah was, uh, had a great reputation. He was someone that could be trusted. He was a man of character and integrity. Why do I know that? Because he's a cupbearer. And people think, well, that's kind of a pretty bad job because... 
If someone's trying to take out the king, he's going to take a sip first and then hand the cup to the king. Yes, but that's in part. The thing about Nehemiah is when, when, you, begin to, when you begin to read the history behind Nehemiah, he was more than just a cupbearer. That's a significant role. If you want to define that, he was like the chief of staff in Artaxerxes' court. So he's in very up high standing. So he has to be a man of character. The king has to be able to trust him because he's in the court with his wife, with the queen. And so he was more than just a taster of, of wine and drinks and things of that nature. And what's interesting when you read this is with Nehemiah, what should have taken the nation of Israel 141 years. Let me say that again. That's... A lot, probably twice as many lifetimes as many of us may live. I pray you live beyond, but 141 years. What took, what would have taken 141 years took Nehemiah how many days? Anybody know? 52 days he rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. So this story for us tonight as we're jumping into this brand new year, and not that it, the turning of the year changes anything, but mindsets always seem to, New Year's resolutions and things of that nature. But for us, this is a testimony and reminder that if you are trying to fix what's broken down, it doesn't take long if you put God first. If God goes before you, He can expedite the process, but many of us remove him from the equation and do it out of our own human strength, which is why we get anxiety. We, get, we, we, we find ourselves completely stressed out. Our hair's falling out because we're so stressed about everything that's happening around us because we haven't given God a first place. What does Proverbs talks about? I catch it every, every month when I come across it. Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own stupidity and your own ignorance and your own humanistic mind, but lean into God. Acknowledge Him and say, okay, God, I understand I'm just buying a vehicle, but I'm going to ask you, should I and can I? I'm just saying that we, a lot of times we, we go off of impulse and make decisions, and we've yet to consult the Lord. Well, I thought I heard it. Did you get a yes or did you get a no? Well, I, I, I'm not, I don't, how much did you pray? Did you get a yes and did you get a no? We're impulsive. And so tonight I want to hit a series of things and hopefully help you. I'm going to give you a step-by-step, all right? I'm going to preach in the process, but we're going to get a step-by-step to teach us how to establish a firm foundation upon 2024 so that we don't repeat some of the same issues or repeat some of the same things. Walk around the same mountain another three or four times looking at the same dead bodies that we left, the same dead relationships that we're trying to revive. Oh, God, just bring them back into my life. Bring them back into my life. And God says, no. If you really want it, I'll give it back to you and I'll chain you to it. You'll be like Paul, oh, wretched man that I am. You understand that story? They put him in a prison trying to break his mind and chained him to a dead man. And he had to look at that rotting dead corpse. And that's when he said, "Who, oh, wretched man that I am. It's, it, so for us, we've got to grab this this year. There has to be a mindset that is tenacious. That's full of faith and courage to know God really does have me. I'm not relying on myself anymore. Independency in the kingdom of God is no such thing. I get it. I'm a strong independent man or a strong independent woman. The Bible didn't call you for that. It called you to put all of your dependence upon Jesus. That's where your hope and your faith should lie. Not in man because man will fail you. Have you figured that out? All right. 
So Nehemiah 1, let's read a few. I love this story because I literally, I feel like I can see him as he receives the news. It says in verse 1, it says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of um, whoever that is, now it happened in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, while I was in Susa, the capital, that Hananiah, one of the brothers, and some men from Judah came, and I asked them about the Jews who had escaped and survived captivity about Jerusalem. Verse 3, it says, They said to me, The remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and disgrace. And the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. Verse 4 said, Now when I heard these words, I sat down, wept, and mourned for days. Not just for a moment, but for days. How much did he love his nation? How much did he love where he grew up? And it says, and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I'm going to stop right there because I want you to, I want to paint this picture. I can see it that Nehemiah is standing at the left hand of the king. And as they come up and he's hearing the conversation, he steps away from the throne and he begins to listen. And they start talking and he says, wait a second, tell me what you just said. Yeah, it's true. The walls of Jerusalem have been obliterated. Because they took us out in captivity, they're slaves to this region of Persia. Persia. And I can only see that in my mind, I'm telling you, that I see this. It's almost like it's you receive news of someone that just passed away and it's shocking to you. And, and if there is a seat nearby or maybe there's no seat and he just begins to collapse on the back of his hand trying his best to hold it together because you did not lose it in the presence of the king. You lost your head if you lost it. <laughs> not your head, but if you lost your emotions, if you were sad before the king, you could die. He could, he could kill you. So I can imagine Nehemiah trying to hide his face, falls back and collapses into a chair and begins to hide the tears that are beginning to stream down his face and probably has to sprint out of the court and find a side room because he was a strong man. He was a leader and he begins to collapse. And in the midst of the conversations and the maybe there's entertainment happening in the king's court, Nehemiah can pray or cry at the volume of the party noise. And as it begins to quiet down, he has to eat those tears and bury his face into his robe. And he ebbs again and flows again and tears and crying. And they're just like rivers coming out of his eyes because the place that he loves so much, the walls have been completely destroyed and it's in disarray and it's been demolished. So when I think of Nehemiah, I used to work with some bricklayers and I, I've seen a house and the importance of what it means to get the foundation right. We have gone back and corrected houses where the foundation was not right. We've had to, and I hated it, to get the, the block saw out and cut the block and remove them. It was fun because you could take a sledgehammer and really just release some frustration. But we had to remove the whole foundation, the piers, all of those things and start from scratch because somebody did not lay the correct foundation. Maybe there, was, there were cracks or maybe it was, it was off center. It wasn't, it wasn't leveled correctly. And I've seen that and seen it done right. I've seen it done with excellence. And so I understand that it's, for me, 
I've got to make sure that the foundation of my life is correct. But what does that look like? When we look at Nehemiah, we can see it. Well, the first thing that every one of us have to come to, all right? The first thing that every one of us in this room have to come to is brokenness. Brokenness is it's not necessarily the brokenness over the circumstances of life because you never let go of brokenness. Now, let me explain what I'm meaning. Because the Lord, or King, uh, King David, even says it in Psalms 51 after he committed uh, probably rape, definitely adultery, and, and, and murder... After that whole process, yeah, you can go back and read it, Psalms 51. It's his prayer of repentance after what he did with Bathsheba. He begins to say something. He says, the broken and contrite heart, O Lord, you will not despise. You will not look away from that heart. And so it's that brokenness that keeps you before the Lord, understanding that I am human and I'm prone to fail. I need God. It's, it's the, the, the void in you that if he doesn't feel, no one else can fill it. He has to fill that void. And so it's brokenness that you keep. But when you get healed from yesterday, you take brokenness with you. Not, again, from the circumstances, but the heart that, that remains before the Lord humbled. Because he is God. Yes, he's my father. He's my friend. But he is God, which means he's like any other. And he's also holy. I'm not completely. I'm trying. I want to be holy as he is holy. And we, we strive for that. But it's not a, a list of do's and don'ts and legalism. It's love. That's where holiness comes from. And so I stay before the Lord. So you never lose that brokenness. You never lose that attitude to come and lay yourself before God and say, God, I'm a man and my gifts and everything I have could fit in the crease of my hand. And they, they're given to me and they're free. Talent is free. But I want to be a woman of integrity. I want to be a woman of character. I want to be a woman that exudes the fruit of God. I want to be, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm a woman. I'm saying for somebody, some woman in the room. Because I'm always saying I want to be a man. You know what? Shut up, AJ. All right. But I want to be a man of character. I want to be a man of integrity. I Listen, I don't get it right. None of us get it right. But my heart comes back to that because I'm broken. I'm broken before the Lord because I know where my help comes from. Right? That's the brokenness that I'm referring to. That's why God continued to, to, to extend grace to David. Grace wasn't meant for that day. It was meant for our day. But David had a broken spirit before God. He stayed humbled and he walked in humility so God can continually use him even after the affair. Now that comes with some consequences and some issues and there was dysfunction in his family. But, but there was a brokenness in David's life. Nehemiah, the Bible says he took time to grieve and mourn. There's a season for that. Let me just prophesy to some of you. Some of you have been grieving too long. If you grieve too long, it can lead you to unbelief. It can. Because you no longer look to God as becoming your source and your strength and your healer. And, and you allow the emotions and you, and, you, and you wrap yourself up in the emotions of the hurt and the anger. And the struggle of the loss of somebody. Or maybe it's a relationship or whatever it is. And you, 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 you grieve. And grief is healthy. You need to grieve. There's a time for it. That's what Solomon said. But you can't allow grief to lead you into unbelief. Well, God's not who he says he is. You begin to question the word of God. Grief can lead you there. Get healed. What does that look like? Get a friend. Get somebody that's spiritually strong. Cuddle up to them and say, I need your help. I've been in a season of grieving. Some of us, we, we, we want people to notice us, and that's okay. Yes, that's fine. But don't be afraid to reach out and say, I need help. Come on, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I, I'm blind, and I want to see. 
man, and they told him, shut your mouth. What are you talking about? Don't bother, the, don't bother Jesus. Don't bother the Messiah. Don't do that. But he hollered all the more. A broken and contrite heart God's not going to turn away from. Here's my question to you. As he began to grieve and mourn, when was the last time that you began to weep over the lost? When's the last time you begin to weep over our nation instead of pointing fingers? You understand that those in Scripture, David and Moses, I'm going to tell you a great book. It'll take you a minute, but a great book that you need to read in the midst of all of this chaos and dysfunction. 2020, everybody lost their ever-loving mind. And it was a work of Satan from one thing to the next. It was just, I mean, and I, it's just so much, you, your head's spinning. That's how you know, because Satan, he just keeps them coming and he over, always overplays his hand. In that season, I, pu- I pulled away and I opened a book called Spiritual Authority by Watchman Nee. And he began to talk about when accusations come, first off, understand, you don't go and confront your accuser. You take it before the Lord and let God vindicate you. What did King David do? Every time they came against him, he turned his face and said, God, what do you want me to do? Moses, when the people began to play, uh, uh, begin to complain, he turned his face and said, God, what do you want me to do? Why? That's broken men. They're not their own source. God is. And God has to vindicate. Moses at one point said, if God doesn't vindicate, then he can take me on. David said the same thing. If I'm guilty, then let God do with me what he wants to. How many of us would be willing to say that? My, my point is, is for us is to see that that brokenness keeps you tender. The tenderness of your heart takes you into God's heart. But it's a grit that keeps you there. You have to have it. Tenderness and grit. But brokenness is vital for you. But when's the last time you begin to weep for the lost? Have we become comfortable? Have we compromised? Second thing is this. In verse 6, the Bible says that he prayed day and night. So the second thing is prayer. Simple. We're in 21 days of prayer and fast. Then do it. Pull away. It's the easiest thing they say to do. But it's the hardest thing to get established and be faithful to. The place of prayer. It is. Come on, am I bear witness with anybody? Listen, I've hit my moments where it's been, a, Jesus, I just need some help. Amen. And that's it. You know what I'm saying? And, but then I have my days where I have to be disciplined. Because it's a discipline that it, it, we're disciples. So you're a disciplined learner. We don't, but, but we don't like to be, uh, we like to be comfortable. Like, just make it easy. Anything you do for God, let me just say this. I know they say you live for God hard, life will it'll be easy. Maybe some truth to that. I agree with that. If you live for God easy, it's definitely going to be hard. But I say if you live for God easy, you compromise. <laughs> you allow anything and everything to come into your world. Steal your time. Steal your devotional time. Control your schedules. But prayer is what he did day and night. After he heard the news, he began to pray. Let me say it again. He's not a priest. He's not a prophet. He's not a king. He's a career man. So that removes the excuse that, well, you know, he's just, he was a pastor. No, he wasn't. He was a worker, faithful and devoted. He prayed to the response of the news. So here's, here's me. What is my response when I receive news of devastation? What is my initial response? How do I, what's my knee-jerk reaction? How do I, how do, what do, I, what do you do? I know, I know what I do. It takes me aback. 
and I have to gather myself. Oh, wait a second. I've got to get, I have got to pray. I'm telling you, that, because that's never my, my first thought because I, w- I was raised, uh, and it's nothing against, but I was raised and I had a mindset of pessimism. Like I was always thinking negative. And so that's been something hard to break for me. And I still have my moments. So I can't look at a situation sometimes and see the best outcome. I have to really, really ask God to help me for that, to see it in the right light. For situation, oh, my God, I know, yeah, I know God can. But, God, you're going to have to help me know that you can. I need to know it in my knower. I need to know it deep down. I need to get something from you that I can grab a hold of and know that God can. And that happens in the place of prayer. It sounded like Jerusalem was a society of broken people. Now, let me say this. Broken people cannot fix broken walls, let alone help broken people. All right? We've heard this so many times. Hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. If that's you, and you're constantly hurting people, then you're hurt as well, and you need healing. You have to be honest with yourself. Come on, you got, pride is the number one, uh, I don't want to say, the pride is the number one, whatever you want to say, that dances on the heart of believers to keep them from stepping into wholeness. I don't need it. Nah, I'm good. My marriage is good. Nah, I'm, I'm good. You're not honest with yourself. You've got to be honest. And prayer is a place to be honest. And lay, lay it before, become transparent. Become humble. Become open. Be transparent with God. It's the acronym HOT. Get hot before God. Humble, open, and transparent. If you're hurting, you can't help anybody else. Here's what prayer is. Prayer is the preamble to action. Prayer always has to be my starting point. Well, but I don't know how to pray. You need to get filled with the Holy Ghost and get a prayer language. And you better do it on a daily basis. Come on, I've had a few more amens in that. Get filled with the Holy Spirit, get a prayer language, and begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. This morning, let me just tell you, we've been praying here in the auditorium from 7 to 8. And This morning, I was over there, and I happened to come across just some things stirring. And, and I was reading in the, in, I always read and reread the Psalms. It's part of my daily reading. And, and, and you get into the 50s, and it's David's, and I can't remember exactly all the history in the 50s, 50, 50 51, 52, all the way to, uh, to 60. But there's a lot happening in David's life. And so he comes before the Lord. I love the scripture. When he comes before God, he's like, God, you're going to have to save me from my enemies. So he comes to God. He doesn't go talking to all of his men. Well, would you just look at what they're trying? Look at Saul's. He, see what he's doing to me? He didn't go to his men. He went to God to talk to God about his own children. And so he presents his case before the Lord, and then all of a sudden, and I, I continue to pray in the Holy Spirit. So I'm just praying, because I don't, my spirit's praying. I don't know what I'm saying. My soul is, is definitely unfruitful, but I begin to pray, Holy Spirit, what am I praying? And all of a sudden, I got two words. The Lord told me, he said, you're praying that I would confuse and confound the enemy's camp. And it lit a fire in me, and I said, that's what I'm praying I stepped up and we just begin to shift the time in prayer because that's, that's why you need a prayer language. God will reveal to you. He'll speak to you. This is what you're saying. It's the perfect prayer. So I just begin to declare it. God, I'm just declaring that you are confounding and confusing the enemy's count. Every assignment that he's got against families in our church, every assignment he's got against people in our region, you're confusing the enemy's count. There's somebody on the wall. There's somebody on the wall that's going to pray. And I know there's others in this room as well that'll stand up and say, no, not on my watch. 
Not on my watch. I'll get into this next week, but if I have to, if I have to fight with chainmail on and I have to have a weapon in one hand and a tool in the other, and I just have to pray, God, give me strength, I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep fighting. It's not always about a fight because there's a season that will come for rest. Because King, the Lord told David, he said, I'll bring you into an open space. You know what that means? You'll be able to breathe some, David. I'm going to bring, Psalms 18, I'm going to bring you into a spacious area where you can breathe and rest, but get yourself back into the fight. So it's important. Prayer has to become our first response, not our last resort in our lives. And you have to build history with him. It's a love affair. It's an intimate time of where I know it, it, it's rough. The first 15 minutes at times can be tough to really get in it because the flesh is just the flesh. The spirit and the flesh are at war with one another. And they're fighting. And that's why we fast because the flesh wants to do what it wants to do. It wants to watch things. It wants to eat things. A lot of unhealthy food. Buffet. Lots of them. Plenty of trips. Lots of sugar. And so the flesh will constantly rise up and the stomach becomes the king. Or maybe the eyes become the king. I need that. I want that. I want that. I want that. And so as I begin to fast and I pray, God begins to shape and reshape my appetites to look like him. So I want to consume him and not the things of, anyway, you got it. You can always tell how serious people are about their belief that only God can make the difference by their prayer. If you just prayed a couple of times, how serious are you about it? Are you consecutive with it? I'm telling you, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. Why? God, I want to be a blessing to others. Nick Saban just retired, and Pastor Bob and I were talking. He said, man, I'm, he goes, I know you don't like that guy. And I was like, who, Satan? I mean, Saban? <laughs> I'm sorry, I repent to some of my, kind of, 75% repentance right there. But Pastor Bob was telling me, he said, you know, I've been watching some of his leadership stuff, and I, I listen, they capture him saying some stuff, and they're not Sunday school words. <laughs> they're not holy. And, uh, but he said, one thing that he said uh, in one of his leadership chats was he said, you know, I don't ever play, pray for God to bless me. He said, I pray that I would become a blessing. And what has God done with him? Hey, do with that what you want, but the man has been effective, all right? I'm a Tennessee fan, but my goodness. But oh, that you would bless me indeed. For what purpose? So that I can become a blessing to others. You need to pray that. We're in that series right now. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my borders, in other words, give me greater influence to impact for the kingdom. Not for personal gain, but for kingdom. I want God to be, I want, him, I want to make Jesus really famous in our region. I want him to be known in northern Mississippi, northern Alabama, Wayne County, Decatur County. And let it just keep creeping over across. I mean, I know maybe in McNary County, I'm not trying to uh, cross over and hit some of those. It is what it is, but if, they, if they're called here, they're going to come here. But God's called us to impact, be effective it's not to be busy, it's to be effective. Nehemiah reminds us that we should start off reminding ourselves as he prayed of who our God is and what our God can do. We start off with God, here's the problem, here's the problem, here's the problem. But watch how Nehemiah starts. Lord, 
And this wasn't some, he didn't flatter God. He said, Lord, God of the heavens, the great, awe-inspiring God who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love him and his commands. Do you not think he meant that? He knew who he was praying to. Daniel says that they that know their God will do great exploits. It's the knowing him. It's the intimate connection. You know him so you know his nature. And he began to pray, but then he leads into repentance. He, rep- he repents for a sin that he didn't do, but because he was connected to it, he understood somebody's got to own this. Somebody's got to take ownership of this sin. This is what's happened to the nation. So he owned the sin of the people and began to repent. So for you, what do we do in prayer is you need to start with self. Start with you right here. This is, I, if this foundation doesn't get established, my children doesn't have a, a chance. My children begin to be warped, dysfunctional. If I get my priorities out of line and, 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 and not have them in the house of the Lord, I get it, it's convicting, but if they're not in the house of God, listen, people can say what they want to and they can gather here and there, but I, I'm telling you, if it had not been obviously for God but for the, fa- the, the church of the living God, I don't know where I would be because there were people that extended a hand, extended a word of encouragement. Kyle Ham, Philip Meek, I can name the names on and on and on. And they come alongside me because sometimes we just need Jesus with skin on. We need somebody to come alongside us and say, hey, you know what? I see you're going through some stuff. Let me put my arm around you. you if the church is necessary. I don't give a flip what anybody says. We, it will always be necessary. The local church will always be needed. We're in a place, we're in a house where people believe that, that, that if, we, if we'll yield ourselves to God, God will plant you in a place and begin to thrive and flourish you. There's messages. Let me tell you something. I, I know Pastor Eddie said this before. I can't tell you how many messages that have been preached in our services and somebody needed to hear it but they weren't in the house but oh my life is in shambles listen I got it because I used to be that guy as well but whenever you come and you're in the house there's a word that comes in the due season that's what Solomon said God will begin to speak a word to you in due season and it's a word you need for the moment for the time for the situation and it begins to pull you out of the ditch I'm telling you anybody identify with that I'm just telling you I got it I got it So start with self in the place of prayer. We say, well, judgment begins in in God's house. What are you? You're a temple. Judgment begins in that temple first. Yeah, yeah, here. And I got to make sure because I'm telling you, last night I didn't sleep very well. I laid awake. Actually, I woke up at 2 o'clock, 2.30, somewhere in there. Couldn't go back to sleep because situations were running through my mind. And I'm like, God, I've got, to give an, I've got to give an account to you one day. So don't think your pastor is not laying awake at night at sometimes thinking, I've got to give an account for these people. So I understand the sincerity or the seriousness of the call of God for where he's placed me and my wife. Which, by the way, she's back in the kids tonight. But own it. Judgment begins in me first. The next thing is what he did was he prayed and then he began to fast said that he needed God's answer. He needed God's answer. He didn't need to know what God had to say. He didn't need a fleshly response. He needed God. He needed him to speak. God, I need you. I don't need the voice of another friend. Anytime, I used to be this as well. When something would go sideways, I would immediately pick up my phone and call two of the three people that I typically reach out to. And say, hey, I need some. And then all of a sudden, when God began to kick my crutches out and say, I don't need a crutch, big boy. Where you been? It convicted me. 
And I'll say this, my mother-in-law, she was praying with uh, one of her really good friends and her really good friend uh, told her in that season, I, I sense the Lord has taken AJ into a season of greater intimacy. He's stripping away everybody and he's taken him into a place where he'll learn to hear his voice yet once again because he's been absent from that place. You talk about convicting, but I received it because you know what? I need the instruction, I need the correction, I need the discipline, and I need the rebuke. Lord, if I'm getting off... Please send a word my way. And as I begin to realign, God ignited the intimacy once again. And all of a sudden, his words begin to flow on, on, my, on my journal. And I heard and I listened. I, things that God prepared me for that I didn't know I was going to step into uh, in that year. So I'm telling you, get a word from the Lord in that regard. But you need to fast as well. Fasting is something that's so vital. He needed... because. As, a lot of times, again, I, I was saying this earlier, and I probably got a little bit ahead of myself, but fasting is, uh, however you're doing it. I mean, if you're, if you're doing, you know, the Daniel fast, if you're doing the, uh, the water fast, if you're doing teas and juices, not sweet tea, but there's a little bit of a difference. Anyway, but if there, so whatever fast you're doing, or if you can't fast, and maybe it's just media, and you're shutting the things out of your life that you really enjoy and you love, your spiritual edge has become dull. And it has to be sharpened. God has, got you, and it's your responsibility. You're the one that's responsible to oversee the flame that God's put inside of you, as Pastor Derek was saying. I'm responsible for the flame that he's put inside. Nehemiah needed God's wisdom and God's solution. He didn't need the flesh. He didn't need carnality. He didn't need a good answer from somebody in the king's court that probably could have gave him somewhat of an answer. He needed God, not something good. And some of us need to let go of good and grab a hold of God because God wants you to have him. Yes, it's wild. You don't know what that next step is going to be, but you've got to learn how to trust. And fasting coupled with prayer will open a door for you to step into a greater dimension and spiritual encounter. I'm telling you, fasting, here's what it is. It's being willing to give up something your body craves in order to gain something that your spirit needs. My body enjoys it. I love it. But what about your spirit? It's suffering. Whichever one you feed, it's the Chinese proverb, is going to be the strongest one. It's sharpening the edge. Shutting down your flesh, putting it in its proper place, and commanding it to listen to the voice of God at every step he commands me take. That's what fasting does. The next thing is this, is get a word from the Lord. It's simple. After you've prayed, after you've fasted, sometimes the word comes in the process, but get a word. What does God say? Chapter 2, verse 1, it says, and it came about. It came about. You know what? You know how long Nehemiah prayed? We read scripture and we don't really look and see. and You have to study the months because he started praying. The Bible says that it happened in the month of Chislev. And then in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, and it came about in the month of, I love to say Nisan, but I don't think that's what it is. <laughs> it came about in the month of Nisan. The answer came. So how many months was that? Did he pray just a few days and that was it? No, four and a half months. He's contending and praying. Day and night, night and day. God, what is your answer? What is your answer? So if you think it came on the first day, it didn't. Daniel, it didn't come on the first day. It came three weeks later. 
The answer was sent, but it got caught up in warfare. So you, you can't stop. you got to get that word. And many of us are going on ahead with some good judgment, but it's not God judgment. Well, I, yeah, but it's, I, you know, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, this person, they told me, and I, you know, I trust them. No, you, you've got to get that, that word. And the only way you get the word from the Lord is you've got to build history with the Lord. Build history with him. People say, oh, I haven't been. It's okay. Do not beat yourself up. Start walking with him. Just start. The journey of a thousand steps or whatever that is starts with one step. So I can't, you know, and I love this. I'm not going to say who the author was because he's pretty much a heretic now. But anyway, there's A, B, C, D, and E. E is all the way at the end of the stage. I can do that. But if I take away B almost to E and just leave E by itself and try to step from A to E, it can't happen. Right? I know it's simple. I got it. It's elementary. So you need another step. Some of us just need to take our next spiritual step. I've never fasted before. Okay. It's okay. Miss a meal. If you can, turn the news off. I promise you, you won't miss anything. Social media, it's okay, turn it off, right? Start somewhere and say, God, I'm giving this to you because my soul craves it. And just take a step. That's all it is, just take a step. How long should you pray about something? AJ, come on. Until you get an answer. I've said this, there's three different responses from God. Yes, no, and silence. And I'm going to be very careful how I talk about silence. But you need a yes or a no. And God will, God will give it to you. And the longer you walk with God, let me tell you what happens. You just know his nature. You begin to get to know him. Just like I know my wife. And I know when she's mad. And she ain't got to say a word. <laughs> right? I know when she's upset. I know. Because I know her. I love her. So for me and you and with relationship with the Lord, as I walk with him, there's sometimes I don't hear, AJ, don't do that. You know what I'm saying? It's just simply, oh, man, I feel God's heart on that. I'm not supposed to go here. Or, no, or, man, I got to do this. I need to step. You know, that's Holy Spirit. He convicts us to take a step and make a decision. Now, there are times when you're walking with the Lord and he's trying to teach you how to make a decision that he will step back. I don't know how to explain it, but you can, I'll, I'll give you an answer to it. And he's silent. First off, consult with somebody and talk with somebody spiritually strong. Say, hey, I'm in a season. It's okay. After you've sought God, seek spiritual counsel. It's all good, right? But I still like to have you make that decision. And I always tell our staff, you let them make a decision. We'll give them what we feel. But make sure they have to make, we're not, we're not lords over your life. I'll never do that. I'm not that guy. But when God is silent, sometimes when he's trying to get you to make a step, he trusts you. Go ahead. But you'll know. I'm telling you. You'll know. But in Nehemiah, understand that if he comes before the king, and what we're about to see as I wrap this thing up for the first part of the series, he can't have a sad face. and He better have a word from God because his life hangs in the balance. So when God is silent and I'm saying he trusts me, there's a peace to that. Always follow peace. On whatever decision that you make, follow the peace. Um, 
I'm, I'm in turmoil right now. Well, you shouldn't be because if God gives you an answer, there's always a peace attached to it. The flesh will be like, yeah, yeah, or the enemy will try to fight. But spiritually, there is a peace attached to the answer that God gives you because He is peace. And let me say this tonight. Some of us are in the valley of decision and we're looking and searching for the word from God. And you're about to take a step. Now, let me prophesy to somebody. I don't know who this is. You're about to take a step. And you're going to make a permanent decision in the midst of a temporary circumstance. Don't do it. Wait. Sleep on it one more time. Sleep on it. When your emotions are high, listen to what I'm about to tell you. When your emotions are high, intelligence is low. That may not be very, very spiritual, but that's just the nature of the beast. When I'm extremely emotional, my intelligence, I can't make a wise decision that brings glory to him. Then when you receive the word, the Bible says in chapter 2, 2, two through 3, that he, after he had received the word, the king asked him, hey, why are you sad? And all of a sudden, it, this is his moment. He begins to act on the word that he just received. This is a heathen king. This is not a king that fears God. He presented it before the king. And the king, now he has favor in the presence of king. The last thing is this. You have to count the cost. Count the cost. Yeah, I know God's going to take me through it. But you need to sit down and evaluate. People say, well, no, God said it. Yes, absolutely. But... Look at what Nehemiah's response was whenever he was, he was prepared. He had already counted the cost. He already had a plan that came from the throne of God. Because look, right here in verses 6 through 7, it says, Then the king said to me, with the queen sitting beside him, How long will your journey be? And he says, When will you return? Because he loved Nehemiah. He said, So it pleased the king to send me, and I gave him, look at that. What does that say? I gave him a definite time. So he knew exactly what he was about to do. So in this year, you need to sit down and count the cost and know what the plan of God is for this year. I'm not saying you're going to know every turn and everything, but there are things that the Holy Spirit will reveal to you to prepare you. But if you're neglecting prayer, He can't download it to you. Right? And He said, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me. And He goes through this whole list. So He's saying, hey, this is how long it's going to take and this is what I'm going to need. And the king empowers him and releases him. This is a man that has a firm foundation established and it was built upon one thing to the next. Everything played off of the next thing. So for you, I'm released that to you. It's important for all of us to become excellent stewards of all things kingdom. You got to become an excellent steward of your time. Many of us, we mismanage our schedules. So therefore, God can't move because we've scheduled him out. There's no space for him to move. We've got to make room for him. That's part of the foundation. Look at your schedule and see what it's happened. Write it down. You know, Habakkuk says, write, the, write it down. Write the vision down. Make it plain so that they who see it may run. For you, write down what you're doing. Take into account. Have you, I'm serious. That's, that's stewarding yourself well. Stewarding your, uh, um, making sure that emotionally, mentally, physically, Relationally, financially, the tanks are staying full and they're being tended to. You gotta have a God vision. 
It's His vision given to you because it will always be bigger than you and it will require a crew. You, if you do it by yourself, it's not from God. It'll always be bigger than you and it will require more around you. So it's not lone wolf, us four no more. No, no, you need others. I need people. I know I do. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.